It's great to be with you guys. I feel very privileged to be on your show. Uh, thank you. The military one, enslavement by military, has been pretty prominent throughout a lot of human history, at least the last two or 3,000 years of human history. Um, but after World War II, and especially for the United States, after our defeat in Vietnam, uh, we, we came the realization that uh, the military wasn't necessarily our best option. So debt became the real driving force. And this is when I stepped into the into the scene as an economic hitman. My, my real title was chief economist. And, you know, my job was really to identify countries that had resources our corporations want, like oil or many other uh, resources. Today, there's a lot around lithium and cobalt and sort of high-tech industry minerals. And, but anyway, we'd, we'd identify such a country and arrange a huge loan for that country from the World Bank or one of its sister organizations. But the money didn't actually go to the country. It went to our own corporations, infrastructure projects in the country, in that country. And these were projects like industrial parks and, and electrical systems, uh, highways and ports and airports and so on. Big infrastructure projects that made huge profits for our own corporations, first of all, and also helped a few wealthy families in these countries. The families that own the industry, that own the banks, the commercial centers, they benefited from better electrical service and bigger ports and highways. But the majority of the people suffered actually because uh, money was diverted from health, education, and other social services to pay off the, the debt uh, on these loans. And in the end, the country couldn't pay off the loans usually. And so we go back in through the IMF and arrange uh, to refinance, but that always meant that the country had to sell its resources real cheap to our corporations without environmental or social restrictions, maybe vote with us at the United Nations, allow us to build a military base on their soil. And, and so that was the way that we really enslaved these countries with debt. And we're very successful at it. A great example that I cited in my book is, is Colombia, a country where I've spent a lot of time. I had an office in Colombia. And we've supported a police force in Colombia and, and military training of Colombian soldiers for years and, and with the excuse that what we're doing is training them to fight FARC, the narco-traffickers that are sending narcotics, they're sending cocaine primarily into the United States. The fact of the matter, many of these troops are actually being used to protect U.S. corporations, oil companies and other companies that are threatened by, by they may be threatened by terrorists, but in a way some of the threats are truly legitimate from the standpoint of, of the people because you know you build a huge hydroelectric site on a river and you do an awful lot of damage for the people who live upstream and downstream of the dam of the local campesinos the local farmers uh, and you provide electricity to the very wealthy in the big cities to their industries and the, the local people don't even get electricity they see these huge transmission lines going over their properties so we use this excuse of militarization to fight terrorism or to uh, protect ourselves from some perceived enemy. But the, often the real reason for doing this is to establish ourselves as a power in these countries and protect our own businesses. The debt that these countries take on uh, has to be paid somehow. And it's usually paid by cheating the majority of the people in the country. So money is taken from 
education and healthcare and other social services to pay off the interest on the debt. And then a, a second thing that happens is when that interest, when the debt can't be paid, which is intentional, really, we try to set up these loans by we, I mean, it's, it's, whoever is running the system that I call the economic hitmen, we set up these loans in a way that they're, they almost can't be paid off. And the collateral on the loans is the resource that's still in the ground, oil, lithium, whatever it happens to be. And so it, at some point, uh, we go in and say, hey, since you can't pay your debt, we, we want access to your oil, your lithium. And at that point, we could often create tremendous damage to local environments and to local systems. So people in areas that are being drilled for oil or, or mined or where pipelines run through are terribly damaged by this. And ultimately, the, the entire country is damaged. And this is a global economic system that's consuming itself into extinction. It's, it's, it's a very destructive system. It's, uh, in the short, it's based on uh, uh, the goal of maximizing short-term profits regardless of the social and environmental cost. I did this for many years because I thought I was doing the right thing. I learned in business school, the World Bank and all these institutions promote the idea that when you invest, when you put this, when you get put, give all these loans to a country and you invest in infrastructure, the economy grows, the country prospers. And we can show statistically that, that's ha that that happens because we measure growth and prosperity by gross domestic product, GDP. In the United States, there's three individuals that have as much wealth as half the country in the United States. So you can just do a back of the envelope calculations and it shows that if those three individuals made 10% on their assets last year, and half the country lost 3%, and the rest of the country, the other half, just stayed the same, you would show a growth of almost 4% in GDP. It would look as though the whole country prospered. But in fact, only three individuals prospered. Everybody else either remained the same or was worse off. And if that's true in a country where three individuals own as much wealth as half the country, what do you think about many of the countries in, in, in Africa and Latin America and elsewhere where three individuals own as much wealth as 90% of the population or 95%. And so it's a system that's skewed, the measurements are skewed in favor of the wealthy.